How's it going? Going great. What's up? Not much. How's your day going so far? It's It's been good. I went out for a long like jog with my dog this morning so he wouldn't get too excited when the repairman got here. So, <laughs> Oh, you have a dog? What kind is he? He's a Pitbull Lab Mix. Mm, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's raining over here today. You know how Texas weather is. <laughs> yeah, we've surprisingly had great weather in New York. We've had nonstop, like, sunny degree weather, 80, 90 degrees for days on end. Feels like Texas. Yeah. So what made you move to uh, New York? Um, well, I moved to New York about five years ago because I decided to go to New York University for college. Um, mm-hmm. So once I decided to to go there, I was just like, I'm going to move here, live here for a little bit after college until I go to law school. Nice, nice. Now, we go way back. I'm talking about <laughs> further than a hairline, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I remember, uh, do you remember where the first time we met was? I Wasn't it at that, um, it was a, well, I'm pretty sure it was at a Midsummer Night's Dream. I don't remember if it was a Midsummer Night's Dream or if it was one of the shows at my parents' place. It was, it was a Midsummer Night's Dream. We were with Tico uh, at, they call it Bishop Arts Theater now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we did a Midsummer's Night Dream, and yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I still have pictures of like all the makeup and costumes from that show. I think I was just looking at them a couple days ago. Uh, yeah, man, those were like, and it's fun fact that Midsummer's Night Dream was the first community theater that I had. Theater, period, for me. I, I personally really love that show. Puck Puck is one of my like dream roles. So every time I, I get yeah. to be cast as Puck, I'm like having a blast. <laughs> Weren't you were you Puck in that? Um, I was Puck in some of the shows, but not all of them. Uh they they there were a couple like different casts that we had. Um but I had been Puck in uh, junior players version of a Midsummer Night's Dream my senior year before I headed off to New York. Yeah. Now, uh, another time I saw you, this is the first time I actually got to see you do what you do, was <laughs> in uh, Shakespeare in the Park. Love that program. That was, uh, what show was that? Was it, it was some shape. Was it Romeo and Juliet? Or um, it, West- it- it might have been. I, it depends which year you went. I don't remember which one. Which one you saw? This um, was during uh, Snow Queen and Hoka Polka year. I think we might have been doing As You Like It that year. Yeah, because because yeah. I know you were a very funny, you know, character, and it was funny because everybody was like, "Oh, Kristen, you were amazing," and you're like, "I'm just doing my job." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was my job. That was it was a great cast though. I think that's Junior Players is such a great program because they they cast so many talented people and it's just like a really great network that gets built. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully it's still going on. I mean, I even with Corona is outside, so I I, I wouldn't imagine them, you know, not doing it. Uh, oh yeah, they're still they're still putting together workshops. I know right now. Um, they're, they're doing summer programs with DISD. My, my parents are doing a chess company with that as well. And I saw their, I saw them in that, that group of folders. So they're Mm -hmm. definitely still trying to put on workshops and get people together as much as, not together, but (laughs) virtually as much as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Now, um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What inspires you as an actress? Um, I I honestly, I think what probably inspires me the most as an actress is the idea of just being able to convey something so authentically that it moves your audience in some way. Whether that be laughing, whether that be crying, whether that just be like having a good time, whatever it is, just that that ability to emote to a degree that it's literally palpable in the room. Yeah, 
Definitely. I definitely agree. I feel like any art is supposed to, you know, provoke emotion. Like when I saw Kingsman for the first time, <laughs> I was I walked out of that theater ready to whoop some ninjas. I swear, you know, like you're not supposed to come out the other end the same. You know? <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you know and where were you the moment you were like, you know what? I want to do what dad does. I want to do what mom does. I want to act. Where were you? It, it actually wasn't quite like that. So I I identify more as a musician than than an actor, just because that's mm-hmm. most of what my background is primarily. Um, yeah. So I've been playing music since I was like three years old. But mm-hmm. my dad always did a whole bunch of acting. Um, and really what it stemmed from is a lot of times he and I would be coming from the same places or we both just had a whole bunch of crazy things going on in our schedule. So I would end up sitting with my dad for hours on end at all of his rehearsals. And I'd like run lines with him in the car and we'd talk about the plots and like all these different things for all of the shows that he was in. Yeah. Um, And so like just being always very immersed into that world was, was just like, Oh no, no, like, I'm a goofy kid. Of course, I really like acting. Like I, I like getting up and performing. I like being able to engage in in large groups and intimate settings and and all these different things. Um, and so I think it was also just from a young age a really great way to get out energy as well. Um, I think it's more that spending all that time with my dad really just meant that it was it was always around and in a very relevant part of my life. Yeah, I can see that. Which instruments do you play? I forgot. Oof. Ooh, it's a list. I can I can even just look around. I'll start just naming the ones that are in the room. Right. Um, my my first one I started out with was violin. Um and then Same. um viola switched to being my primary instrument. And so right now the two that I play the most are probably viola and guitar. Um, mm-hmm. But other instruments I play are the electric bass, uh, cajon, which is a box drum. Um, I play kit. I play electric keys, um, mandolin. I play I play a bunch of weird instruments as well because I keep getting called to do gigs to like play random instruments. And then I like get obsessed with them. That's how I really liked playing mandolin. <laughs> but but see, I love that because like I, I write music and produce music and as an artist, I try like I'm that person. Have you uh, ever heard of this band called AJR? I have not. Okay, you have homework. Write that down. AJR, right. go listen to them. You'll love them. They specialize in trying to write songs that uh, has never been sang about. Like for example, one of their songs is called Birthday Party, and it's sung from a 15-minute old baby's perspective. You know, and, you know, it's the, the lyrics really describe somebody coming into a new place, you know, thank you for coming to my birthday party. I'm one years old today. You know, it's very upbeat and you know, kind of cartoonish, but it's cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they also try to, you know, get instruments that aren't really used often in everyday music. Like there was this one um, uh, sample they used from this old school quartet, and they actually bought the machine that was recorded that the quartet actually used to record their voices on mm-hmm. their thing. So I find it fascinating that you play because I try to include those instruments into my music as well. So that's awesome. One thing I, so one of the things that I do is also teaching um, uh, like kids in like high school and middle school and elementary um, how to use GarageBand. Um, and a lot of them are like really into like EDM music and, and things like that. And so one thing that I've always really enjoyed is like creative use of sampling, like like you were talking about in terms of using the same thing that they recorded those instruments on originally or recorded the vocal parts on originally to like recreate the, that sound. But like one thing that I also think is super cool is if you're just like out and about in the world and you hear something really cool or you hear something that's kind of interesting, like just pulling out a phone and then recording that sound later, throwing it on my keyboard. And now I have an entire keyboard that I'm playing with like whatever weird sound I heard on the street. 
yeah sampling is just a really uh, a really cool way to sort of like bring in the world into a lot of what yeah. we do as well in very creative ways yeah even michael jackson r.i.p for his dangerous album you know, they, I was, you know, hearing people, uh, Rodney Darkchild Jerkins, who's an awesome producer as well, uh, talk about, you know, how the process was. And he was like, I never been in an environment like that. And I haven't been in an environment like that since. He literally rented out the whole building. Each studio <laughs> was full of people working. Like he had somebody go to a train and, you know, record a train and uh, <laughs> Yeah, and do you also know who uh, John uh, Bellion is? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in his song, uh, Superman, there's a guitar rift, and he couldn't find anybody that could play the electric guitar, so he was like, you know what, I'm just going to turn my voice into one. So he did these chants, and then he switched the like pitches up, and he actually made it, and you will not know that's not a real guitar until <laughs> you see that. Like, it's amazing what you can do with music. Yep. Definitely, definitely. So what got you into uh, teaching, and how is teaching music? Um, I am no longer teaching, actually. I, I decided that I did not want to teach in the fall and that I'm going to focus on studying my LSAT and uh you know, relax a little bit, do do some more creative jobs before I have to be in law school for the next few years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what what sort of got me into I've always loved teaching a variety of different things, like ever since I was younger, like back when I was a kid, I teach music, chess, um, do do various lessons like that. And so it's it's something that I always really, really loved. And in college, I did a lot of debate. And so in addition to doing debate, I would coach high school students um, in debate. And I had some students that were in New York and some students that I um, video chatted with and, and coached virtually in other places in the country. But so college ends and I have my bachelor's degree in music uh, and I plan on taking a year or two off before law school just to sort of relax. So I decide hey, I really enjoyed coaching debate all of college. Let me go teach debate to kids. And so I was working uh, coaching debate for fifth and sixth grade students. Um, but they're really, really smart. And we were competing at the high school level. So it was a lot of fun to like do that and engage with kids. Kids are wow. really amazing specimens. Oh, yeah, they are. They are. Now, who are your top three actors of all time, or actresses, or both? Oof. Okay, that one's a hard one. Top three. I'd have to put Benedict Cumberbatch on there. Oh, uh, yeah. I, He's I, very I, underrated to me. He, I, I just think the dude's incredible. The dude's incredible. Um. And I also really loved Sherlock, and I thought he was perfectly cast in that role. Um, I, he's he was my favorite one. I no disrespect to Robert. Robert Robert wasn't the. It, I don't know. Robert didn't quite have. I don't know. I felt like Robert Sherlock was a little too Iron Man, if you know what I mean. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, he's definitely one of the because he is Iron Man. Let's just face it. But he's definitely one of those actors where. When you look at him, you're like, okay, this isn't him. This is Iron Man in this situation, you know? Um, all right. Other top three. Okay. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. Who else do I really love? Acting-wise. Okay. Another one I'd put on that list is probably... And I, I will, I will say that I honestly really love Taraji P. Henson, but I wish that I feel like I love her more than I love the roles that she chooses to to take. Like I feel like I I want to see her do some other stuff, but I really do yeah. enjoy her. Um, and then a third one. Ooh, who are we gonna go with for the third? 
I personally am a huge musical theater fan. Uh, so I'll probably finish this list with um, Neil Patrick Harris. Um, but mostly because I also love watching his musical theater performances um, and and his singing and just the exuberance that he brings to, to characters. Nice, nice. Who was that last one again? Neil Patrick Harris. Um, Neil Patrick, he also, uh, he, uh, if you watch How I Met Your Mother, he plays Barney. Yes, Neil. You know, he's definitely, and a lot of people, I get into arguments all the time for saying that, but I believe he's a Broadway legend. I, I think it's safe to oh, say that. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, know, like, hands down. You know, he can act, sing, dance, like, oh my God, that dude is amazing. Dude is amazing. Uh, top three movies of all time. Top three movies. Well, I recently discovered that all of my, like, the majority of my favorite movies are actually animated movies. Um, so, with that. <laughs> There's some good animated movies out there. No, I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't like watching real movies. <laughs> I, I, like, I don't like watching movies with, with, um, that are like, uh, what is that word? Live live action, I guess, so to speak. But so, I guess so, so you're, regularly so you're, def so you're definitely um, but, a fan of the live action Disney movies then. Oh, no, no, no. Those are atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> um, my all-time favorite movie is actually not super well-known, um, but I think it's a, it's, it's a very, very sort of depressing movie, but it's gorgeous to look at. Um, and it's a movie, it's a stop motion, a claymation film called Mary and Max. Um, it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman as one of the main characters. Um, and it's a story about this, these like pen pals. One is a girl who lives in New York and she just has like a really like depressing life and ultimately becomes pen pals with uh, the guy that voices uh, Philip or the character that Philip Seymour Hoffman plays. Um, and it just sort of like explores their relationship over the course of several years. And it's really sweet um, and just like a beautifully done movie uh, with really um, a, a super engaging soundtrack as well. It's very cute. You said it's called Mary and Mac. Mary and Max. Oh, Mary and Max. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up to see because it sounds really familiar. I think, let's see. Yes. Okay. So, all right. So there's this uh, YouTube uh, channel and mm -hmm. the guy, he only reviews the real morbid movies like Mary and Max, um, The Odyssey, Coraline, All Dogs Go to Heaven, stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I actually found that movie through him. I haven't watched it yet, but it's actually on my list. <laughs> yeah, you should give it a watch. It's It's really fantastic. Yeah. Okay, cool. My heart was pounding because I know when you said that, because I know there's a lot of underrated movies and I'm like, please let me amen this. Please say all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> there are, I mean, there are, there are a ton, a, a bunch of un, underrated movies. And I think also one thing that I really loved back, back a couple of years ago when movie pass was a thing, movie pass meant that like people were were going to the movies way more often and like movies were coming back for a little bit but more importantly it meant that people were willing to see things that weren't necessarily the big blockbuster films like they were using i remember i was using movie pass pretty much every day like in between classes and i'd be like ah I haven't heard of this movie. This is like a cool indie film. Let me go check it out. And sometimes oh, yeah. you get a flop, but sometimes you hit really, really great underrated movies. And and I think that was one thing that was really great about MoviePass when it was around. It meant that those movies that people wouldn't necessarily give a chance, they were now giving more and more of a chance. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like the one thing about the pandemic is most of the uh, film festivals are online now, so you can just watch them for the comfort, comfort of your home. And it, it's just a whole another vibe watching a movie before it hits the big screen or, you know, watching an indie film in general. It's definitely just, yeah, it, well, not better, but I'd say it's, it hits different. I would say that it hits different. 
Yeah, I think it's, I, I personally think it's considerably better. I think the movie going experience is, uh, kind of sucks now. We've, we've, <laughs> moved, like, you pay $20, sometimes $25, and, like, it's still kind of dirty. If the, like, sound or the picture goes out, all of a sudden, like, there's not, sometimes they don't really fix it, or they'll fix it, but you already missed that part of the movie, and it's just, like, I I think we've moved to sound systems and TVs and, like, computers and just ways of watching that being able to watch and do things at home is a totally viable and awesome way to experience things. I like that yeah. I can sit in my pajamas and watch a movie and pause it whenever I want. And like, if something super interesting, I can pause it and have a discussion with my friends about like, Ooh, what are the implications of this? Like I was, I was recently, I don't know if you've seen it, but the anime Parasite on Netflix. Yes. Oh, I, that's what I love it. <laughs> I, I finished it like two weekends ago. And I was like, but all the philosophical questions that it raises, like it's there are so many times that I'm like listening to the show and I'm like, ooh, would I consider him human? Would I not consider him human? Let's discuss. And just yeah. like you don't get that luxury in a movie theater. So you don't get to like engage with it in the same way. Most definitely. Now I will say there's like multiple vibes like i was telling my friend you have not been to a movie theater until you've been the only person in that movie theater like it definitely like it definitely creates a whole nother vibe a whole nother experience you know and there's different types of movie theaters there's alamo draft house there's studio mm -hmm. movie grill even though i prefer alamo draft house you know there's yeah. different types of movies but there's actually a joke because um, the movies here in Texas are about to open up and mm -hmm. uh, uh, like they're gonna go down on their prices. Like I've been to the movies on a date and literally spent $40 at mm. the concession stand alone, okay? Like that's rent money. That's, how are you buying concessions at the movie? Can't you be like everybody else and sneak some candy in there? Well, well, you know, I didn't know. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be romantic. I'm gonna be fancy, and then I thought something was wrong. You know, <laughs> like I was like, really? Because I hear people talk, but it was my first time buying. Because I usually do be sneaking stuff in there. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> and it was my first. I, I check. I was like, can you check my receipt? Is this right? You know, and now they're like, oh, we're going to open the movies. So a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, let the movies open back up. I'm going to go straight to that concession stand, go to my car and drive all the way home and watch my movie at home. <laughs> you, know? like, you don't need to go to the concession stand. Go to the grocery store, buy yourself some popcorn and take right. it home and pop it yourself in the microwave. Right. In my in my high rise, we don't have a microwave. So I've been forced to like buy the uh, popcorn kernels. And I actually like that better. Like I'll never buy microwave popcorn again. I, I did. I bought popcorn kernels one time in my life. It was while I was in college. And I was like, this will be so fun. And I saw my roommate doing it. She was like, yeah, you know, my mom and I used to like pop kernels and I'm like I love that because then you can control like one you can pop all the kernels you can control how much butter and salt you put on like you control everything and I decided to try it out myself it did not go very well I was like uh-uh I don't I don't want to stand here and monitor this popcorn I'm afraid that it's gonna blow the lid off my pot I'm just I'm gonna go get the microwave stuff exactly like oh my god it, you definitely have to watch it though and like it's funny because like some people are like okay how much do i put because you can like i know my first try was horrible because i put way too much popcorn in the uh skillet and <laughs> it just over flooded so you have to be careful you have to know what you're doing but i advise everybody and jiffy pop is my second favorite now jiffy pop is a workout though it's work <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's definitely work because you have to keep it turning, you know. See, I'm like, I'm not trying to, if I if I wanted to do all that, I, I wouldn't be eating popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if I was going to cook, I'm going to cook some real food that's hearty. 
Definitely, definitely. Now, what are your other two movies? We done went off on the tangent. <laughs> we did. We did go off on the tangent. All right. Yeah. Um, my second favorite movie of all time is Lion King Two. Thank you. <laughs> did you just put a two at I the end of Lion King? No, the second Thank one is way better so than the first. One. Yes. Don't never tell me different. Okay, first of all, let me just say Lion King 2 is the most underrated sequel. In Di- it's the best sequel in Disney. L- l- let's talk about it. But hey, let's it's my number it. two. You think I don't agree? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's, it's, and also, it's really the music was was so great. Like, one of us, when they're exiling Kovu, I'm yes, like, that whole ensemble's not- gone. Ooh, when I, I was in high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to write an arrangement of this. Now I just need a whole bunch of friends that can read sheet music and we're going to like do a version of this. Ultimately, my friends were like, you're doing too much. So we didn't yeah. we didn't finish that, but I'm <laughs> I'm committed to finishing that project one day. Yeah, it is I'm down, shoot. It's funny because my uh, I was on YouTube and I was reading under the comments, somebody said thought he family reunion and get some food we all backed him <laughs> towards the door and sits and saying he is not one of us like oh my god <laughs> like I will literally and it's funny because you can compare songs because the uh I call them sister songs because they're almost the same but I will take Ooh. love will find a way over can you feel the love tonight oh heck yeah L- it was like, a much song. L- like the lyrics are in a perfect world, one we've never known. We will never, you will never need to face, to the, face world. the world. Well, I got your back. They can have the world. We'll create our own. He's basically saying, Girl, I got you. And matter of fact, they can have their stuff. We can have our own stuff. You know, and I was like, All right, come through, Animal Incest. I see. But yeah, and it also the second one also had like better overall morals as well. Like Kovu was the the like rough guy that ultimately wanted to become good and was good and had some setbacks, but ultimately it was resolved because he was good. Simba was like, "My dad died. I gotta run this kingdom. I'm not ready," and just runs away from for a bunch of years, and then comes back and murders his uncle. Is the like ending of that movie? Right, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, they were reconciled in the second one. Like they acted responsibly, but childish. Like they ran away. They they didn't even really. It's really that Kiara is a far more sympathetic character than Simba. As well. yeah. Simba was more like a little bit of a brat, <laughs> and Kiara was like a well-rounded. She just wanted to explore and be free. Exactly. Now, another, since you mentioned that one, another very underrated Disney movie is the Goofy movie. People sleep on that movie so hard. That I was just, I don't, I don't know if you know um, Be- Becky McDonald. Um, yes. Yeah, I love Becky. She's so funny. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah. um, I feel like this is a conversation that I've had with Becky about how people, people sleep on, or maybe it was like a post that she made on Facebook and I was like, Bro, I'm with you 100%. But the Goofy movie is definitely slept on way too much. Yeah, Eye to Eye and uh, Stand Out are definitely on rotation on my playlist. <laughs> you know, Kevin Campbell did an amazing job with that one. Mm-hmm. What's your last one? All right, my last one is also one that I will defend to my dying day is way, way, way too underrated and is just a stroke of genius as a movie. And that is Megamind. I think Megamind is absolutely hilarious, like perfect tone balances. Just It's just like funny for the whole family. I think it's really just engaging for all ages. And (laughs) I just find him such an endearing, like (laughs) anti-hero. Yeah, he's my favorite, one of my favorite at the year. And I mean, like you said, it's a fun, uh, feel good movie, and it's packed with stars. You got Will Ferrell, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I don't know how they got Brad, Brad Pitt in a kids' movie, but Brad Pitt, Tina Fey, Jonah Hill, yeah. uh, David Cross, Ben Stiller, like, oh my God. Yeah, the casting was spot on. 
And I also, and I also love that, like, what was this Metro Man? When they ended up finding him, he was just like, I don't want to be the hero. Like, they, they also didn't make it just a, a straight ahead hero movie. He was like, heroes get exhausted. I quit. You know how other people quit their regular jobs? I want to quit being a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And um, uh, that movie came out, fun fact, that movie came out when I took a babysitting job. So I would like be forced to look at like child movies. <laughs> and Megamind was one of those movies where I'm talking about laugh out loud. <laughs> like, like not chuckle, just burst out laugh, you know? Definitely, definitely. And you know what? Since we're talking about underrated movies, I'm going to talk about uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. You know, just because it wasn't Disney or a big studio, you know, it, it got like overlooked. But All Dogs Go to Heaven is definitely a good movie and very underrated. And uh, it's not really a kid's movie when you think it. Like, me and my friend were talking about this. If you switch out the dogs for humans, it would be rated PG-13, if not R, okay? <laughs> well, I think that's the whole point of most kids' movies. They're trying to get adult <laughs> concepts and, like, friendly kid, kid-friendly kid ways of packaging them. You know? Because they're like, ultimately, to... this kid's not going to go see this movie by themselves, and so we have to make it something that's at least bearable for the parents. So, like, parents, these movies are definitely targeted towards parents to some degree, they're they're obviously not their primary market, but they they keep parents in mind with some of their jokes. Yeah, and I think that's so smart because like I look back on some of the you know our childhood movies and I'm like ah like say for instance when uh, Woody is talking and um, Mr. Potato Head takes off his lips and starts hitting his butt you know <laughs> trying to call him a kiss ass on the slide <laughs> you know stuff like that I'm like ah. Yes. Are you a huge Disney fan, though? I am. I am a big Disney fan. But I, I think uh, less less of a Disney fan, more of a I have consumed a lot of Disney, even if I wasn't a fan of all of it. So I, I yeah. watched a lot of Disney as a kid. I listened to Disney radio. I, I love watching Disney movies. But more in, in general, I like watching animated things. And Disney creates a lot of animated content. Yeah. Now, I, I can relate to you on that because I definitely grew I didn't watch the top, I listened to the top 40 radio until I was in like high school almost because I was a radio Disney and I still bump. You cannot tell me I got nerve and make some noise <laughs> from Hannah Montana. Aren't still bops today. You can't tell me that. <laughs> you know, like I was ready. And fun fact, my mom, she's like a total Christian all she listened to is gospel. And I would literally change the station to Radio Disney uh, so fast she wouldn't even notice. And Jesse McCartney's Beautiful Soul came yeah. on and she started singing to it because she thought it was one of her gospel songs. <laughs> and I'm like, you liked it. You can't deny it. It's a good, it's a bop. It's a good song. It is. But yeah. Um, now, one of my uh, favorite dream I have a lot of favorite DreamWorks movies, but to me, their best one was Shrek, because it was a literal fuck you to Disney, <laughs> and they did it in the best fashion. Yes, yes. You know, it was like, you know what? We don't have to be pretty. We don't have to be princes and princesses. We don't have to be perfect. We can be ugly and still live a good life, you know? <laughs> That was also one. I think what one of the sequels I thought was was the best out of all of them. I I want to say it's Shrek three, but I, Shrek if I or Shrek it. Shrek the I or it might have been Shrek Forever After, either Shrek the yeah. or Shrek Forever After. I'll have to I'll yeah. have to remember at some point. But one of them I remember is being like light years ahead of the. Oh, speaking of terrible movie experiences. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, this uh, I, I interrupted my thought, but I think this is a, a perfect example. I remember when, yeah. when one of the Shreks came out, I'm pretty sure it was when Shrek Forever After came out. My dad and I uh, decided to like go on a little like dad-daughter date to the movies to go see it. So we like go in the middle of the day when it's not going to be crowded. Um, and 
we get there and like a third of the way through the movie, the sound cuts out and half of the screen goes black. <laughs> wow. We're like, uh, what? Are they going to fix this? And so we're like sitting around for a couple of minutes, like thinking they'll either pause the movie or fix it. And then they don't for a really, really long time. So he like goes to check to see what's wrong with it. And they eventually fix it. But like an hour of the movie <laughs> is played before they fix it. And they don't like yeah. go back. <laughs> they instead are just like, ah, you missed it. Life's hard. And that's why movie theaters honestly need to die. <laughs> yeah, they they would have had to uh, they would have had to give me my money back or something. I re- I did a promo uh, uh, podcast interview for Bella Thorne's new movie. It was my first drive-in movie because you know they did something with the drive-in movie, so mm-hmm. it was my first drive-in movie. I definitely enjoyed. I definitely say I like drive-in better than theaters for some reason. It's just well, because you still get your own space, like you're in your own car in your own space, but you get the fun of like going out to the movies and the big screen and and being able to hear it loudly. Exactly, and like say for instance, uh, I have a story that actually tops that. So you remember when uh, Paranormal Activity was coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, oh God, what was that movie? Uh, I forget what movie it was, but let's just say it was Frozen to be to to be safe. But basically, my uh, aunt unfortunately had passed away in a uh, movie theater, and so they gave us like uh, I want to say a year supply of free movies. So I capitalized on it, and it was me my friend and her sister and we were going to go see some kid movie let's call it frozen okay mind you this is the time when (laughs) paranormal activity was out all right and the movie it was the opening night it was big uh, like a literal big deal like the movie was literally full of kids it sounded like a classroom (laughs) in there and we noticed that all the commercials were for horror films <laughs> you know but I, I didn't pay attention to it i was like you know why are they playing all these horror films and well i guess they're trying to get the parents or something i don't know and then right when it starts the huge paranormal activity sign flashes on the screen <laughs> you see the bedroom and you see the date uh august 6th 26 2006 and everybody in that movie is panicking (laughs) moms are running out with their children like one mom tried to gather up all the children because some kids went by themselves like come on kids don't pay attention to the screen look this way it was it was so hilarious it was utter chaos i bet it was yeah i was like why and apparently some guy was new and he got the film switched. I would have loved to be on a fly a fly on the wall in the other movie. Because yeah. they got his movie. That's what I was saying. I was like, were they switched so the people that thought they were seeing paranormal activity actually saw Frozen as well and all of their commercials were just Disney advertisements? Yeah, they was switched. So, like, it, it was hilarious. And the dude, of course, the, luckily them, they actually, you know, gave us another time and restarted it. But, yeah, there ha- there's been some classic uh, movie experiences for me as well. Now, you're a musician, so who's your favorite, uh, who's your top three favorite singing artists? Oh, singing artists? Okay. Yeah. Or they could be band. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, like, artists in general, so. Yeah, yeah, okay. Who's your favorite artists? Bands, rappers, singers, included? Um, Well, my favorite band is a bluegrass band called the Punch Brothers. Mm, I've heard of it. Uh, they they did a song that got really well known. I'm pretty sure it won a Grammy because it was in Catching Fire, the uh, one of the Hunger Games movies. Um, but I I have loved them since their first album, Punch, uh, because that a big component of that album, about 40 minutes of that album, is this four movement suite that the lead singer and mandolin player Chris Steele. Um, 
wrote and sort of like as a way to sort of deal with and go through the divorce that he was going through. And it's just like an incredible piece of work. It's, it's quite long, but one thing that I really, really love about that band in particular is even though they have bluegrass instrumentation, so so the instruments are a banjo, a guitar, an upright bass, a violin, a mandolin, and vocals. So like very, very straight, like standard bluegrass uh, band instrumentation, but they're all like classically trained musicians and um, incorporate a, a huge variety of styles into into their work. Um, so I just think that they're, they're really awesome in the ways that they blend those styles. And he does this video on YouTube where he talks specifically about genre hopping and, uh, uh specifically, um, and where he talks about like a lot of the, the differences, even when you're comparing music, like classical music and rock music, right? The chords are the same. It's just a question of how it's presented and how audiences are experiencing it. And so I think I also just like agree with a lot of uh, that mandolin player's ideas about how we approach music and like why it's important to constantly be pulling from other genres and, and try to expand like our, our, our musical ideas um, as much as possible. So Punch Brothers is my number one favorite band. Um, mm -hmm. After that, I really, really like um, Liana Le Havis. Uh, she's a dope guitar player um, and has a really, really beautiful voice. I will say I was not a fan of her most recent album, but uh, it just came out, I think, earlier this month. Um, and I did not like it, but I think her her album, Is Your Love Big Enough, is, is really awesome. It sounds like a good title. Yeah, is your, is your love big enough? And the deluxe version has um, some songs that she did live from performances in Paris, including a cover of Jill Scott's He Loves Me, which is a, a nice interpretation. And I'd say probably my third favorite artist, I'm just gonna take the number three spot. Well, I'd say if we were going on whose music I listen to, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna go with my third favorite being Snarky Puppy. Oh, nice. Um, just because again, I think they have a lot of really great energy in their music, and I love that they have multiple drummers and, and key players. And I'm like, the amount of just like energy that goes into their shows. And a lot of their albums are done live, where like the audience is there in the room with headphones that they're listening to. And so I'm just like, yeah, y'all are just doing these whole albums live, and they're really awesome. Yeah, I love. Uh, do you prefer live albums? I think it depends. I think some artists should probably not do live albums because they, uh, their live talents are less are, are not as good as their studio talents. But it's some artists oh. for them <laughs> and their sounds are even better when they're performing live. So I think it just kind of depends artist to artist. Yeah, and it's funny because all the if you notice all the artists that are on top of their shit either sound the same or better live. Like yeah. honestly. Like Ariana Grande, uh, everybody knows she is going to be my wife one day. <laughs> like, I prefer her live over her in like over her albums. That's why I'm so glad she finally decided to come out with a live album. Because to me, her vocals are so much better not produced. Yeah, well, well, that's also because a lot of what she for a really, really long time, she wanted to do like R&B and things that are more along that vein. And like, that's the style of singing that she really sort of loves, but her producers are like lean far more towards pop music. So when she's performing yeah. live, she gets to do a, a lot more of that and gets gets to be free in terms of how she's singing and, and yeah. she's doing with those songs. Because you notice her sound from when she first started completely different now. Mm -hmm. You know, like you could hear her Broadway influences, 
you know, you could hear so much, and now I'm just like, oh, I'm kind of miss old area. <laughs> you know, I, I like and, both. I think they're different, and I and I think they're both good, but for very different reasons. Yeah, and and I love how you don't you didn't name any stereotypical people, any people that uh, you know we might know, because now my listeners can be like, okay, let me look this up. I, I mean, don't, get, don't get me wrong. I think plenty of those vocalists are also great. That They just wouldn't probably make my favorites list. <laughs> like, Ariana, yeah. incredible vocal range, but like, if I'm thinking about who I'm going to play, sitting down, just chilling for a couple hours, I'm probably going to opt for one of those three instead of listening to Ariana, although I definitely put her music on all the time. Yeah. Now, who would be your top forty, top three? Like your your uh, your uh, like like Billboard artists, radio picks, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, if we're just talking about singers, just talking about like how they are as vocalists. I would definitely put Tori Kelly in in one of my tops. I think I really, really love her voice. Um, I think she's such a sweetheart. I love watching her videos. She's another person that's underrated, and it's not fair. I, I mean, I don't even think it's necessarily that she's underrated. It's more that she's she's got her market, and the people that listen to her really, really love her, but the people that don't just kind of sleep on her versus yeah. with pop music that's that's more radio playing all the time even if you don't like them you know all their music like i personally i don't really like drake but i can sing so many drake songs all of the words to them, <laughs> just because yeah. i i hear it all the time um exactly and, and you're the first person i've heard in a while that says they don't like Drake is so refreshing because everybody likes that. Like, I don't know what it is about that boy, but everybody likes this guy. And, and I, I will like say, if you ask me in a couple of months, I might feel differently because recently his music's been growing on me. But for the longest time, I was like, um, I'm, I'm kind of bored. Yeah, it's been the opposite with me, like, because I, I like, I always respected him as an artist and I mm -hmm. understood him. But lately I've been like, you, you're kind of flopping, bro. I, I did not that like that right foot slide, uh, ghetto, uh, um, clap your hands mess. I did not like cha-cha. Nah, I did not like that at all. Yeah, I think I, I, I wasn't, I haven't been a, it's more that I'm like, I, I like listening to Drake. On, like, I really, Drake is very easy to listen to. And I appreciate that. Like, he's very easy on the ears. It's something you can, like, play. And, and it's like a chill vibe to sit in. But I think Take Care and Nothing Was the Same were, like, good peaks for, for Drake. Those, and if you're reading this, it's too late. I think that yeah, was a really, well, really good era for Drake. And now he's sort of moving away from those. Yeah, like I'm with you. Like I miss old Drake. Like if I could have, uh, you you know that song "I Get Lonely." I don't know that song. Yeah, yeah, like baby, I just want to get to know you. You know, like that's all I want is a I get lonely Drake. You know what I mean? And I know that's never gonna happen. It's kind of like and a lot of artists do this matter of fact i believe all artists have changed to some extent like say for instance maroon five we will never get another she will be love ever you know what i mean because <laughs> their style is you know and even billy eilish like she stayed, yeah and like she stayed true to herself for the most part but i was listening to her old uh ep bellyate came on and burn and i was like wow, she's really, like, not changed, but her style has got just a little bit different. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, the artists grow, and their styles sort of morph with them as they grow, and they and they find out the things that they want to explore. I I love Billie Eilish. I think... Oh, Billie Eilish. Last year was her year. Last year was she was that girl. I remember I was so hyped when, when We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go came out. I, I had at the time um, a really cool like speaker set up in my room 
And so I was like, I am so excited to hear this album with these subwoofers <laughs> to like really get get the full extent of what she was going for. At one point, I think it was the the like it it was oh yeah, it was the beginning of Zanny played. Either yeah, yes. it was either the beginning of Zanny or it was um the interlude of Bad Guy. But I like I remember I was in the other room. I was in the living room listening to this uh, to the album playing in my room, and I thought that my speakers had broken. <laughs> I was like, "What is? Is it supposed to be like that? This is the like clarity on the voices. I don't know if this is intentional or if like my speakers are tripping out." So I remember like going to YouTube to look it up and see if it sounded the same on yeah. a different device, and I was like, "Okay, it's supposed to be like that. I'm not concerned anymore." Yeah, and she has a condition. I forget what it is. It's one of those conditions where, like, you like everything has a number and a color, and uh, I think that benefits her music as far as like. And she's so humble and down to earth, man. Like, she still lives with her mom in her house. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, um, I actually got the privilege of going to one of her concerts, and I had never seen anything like this. The closest thing I've seen to it is a Beyonce concert. Like you can literally, she can literally just sit on the stage and point the mic towards the audience. Like the whole stadium in unison <laughs> on key singing. It was amazing. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so you said uh, Tori Kelly, who, give me two more. Um, I said Tori Kelly, Liana LaHavis. Oh, oh no, no, we're doing, uh, sing yeah, we're doing singers. Just, just pure singing ability. Um, yeah. I think another, well, I think, again, just in terms of, like, raw singing talent, I think Ariana Grande has, you know, an incredible range. Um, yeah. And I, of course, like her songs. Another woman with an incredible range that I think is slept on too often is Jessie J. Boy, her vocal ability yes. and her swag with it. I'm like, girl, you can get it. You better walk on this way. <laughs> Out this world, man. I was checking her out the other day. My favorite uh, CD by her is the one where uh, she was like, uh, I'm the no hero. Oh, oh, oh. What's the one with the hero on it? Um, um, which one? Let me just look it up because I'm not going to write. That's what it was. Alive. Yeah. Yes, man. Alive. Yes. I love that. My personal favorite album of hers was um, Who You Are, but there were a lot of songs on Sweet Talker that I also really liked. But like Mama Knows Best and Do It Like a Dude, those just, I I, oh. I watched oh. her do a, a, a live version of both of those. And I was like, I'm sold. You're just perfection. <laughs> Yeah, when Do It Like a Dude came out, I was like, it's a wrap. I'm a fan. You've got me. <laughs> like, this is it right here. Like, ah, I forgot all about that song. You took it all the way back, man. That's like before Jessie J was actually Jessie J. <laughs> like, she didn't even have her signature hairstyle. That's that true. Point. Yeah. OG. That's how you know you're an OG fan. Like, I hate to say I'm a... OG fan of somebody, kind of like say for instance with Beyonce. I can't. I started liking Beyonce during the Sasha Fierce era, you know. But there's some singers where like I was there, you know, when their first single came out, when they were just sounds, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, definitely. Um, I what are I your remember when songs? Lemonade came out, and I absolutely hated that album because I didn't think it was very good. I think at this point, there are definitely songs and moments on it that I like and that, I, that I'll put on from time to time. But I, so many of my friends were Beyonce fans and they were like, I, I'll never understand how you could not like Lemonade. It is a work of masterpiece. <laughs> I'm like, calm down, calm down, Beehive. Okay, I feel like in a way, don't get me wrong, the album had bops and I'm here for it. I'm thankful it was made. But however, comma, I feel like we were robbed. Yeah, I was like, it was just thrown. It felt Beyonce thrown together. Album, it's you, really, and it wasn't, yeah. but it felt that way to me listening to yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I don't want to hear about your husband. I want to hear... Okay, you cannot songs. blame her for you not know, writing like, love like songs after everything. Boy, if you don't leave black women alone, she does not have to write a love <laughs> well, song. I, she can write about whatever she wants. You know, I just but, want but, a better quality music. <laughs> you know, you know I, I wanted to hear an EXO here and there, you know, or Pretty Hurts, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but she was coming for blood on that album, though. Definitely, um, yeah. Just, it just in the songs? world. That's a that's yeah, a really hard time. one. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Or, or some songs that have like a cultural impact. A song that makes um cry, one song laugh. that that always like. Oh my gosh, I think there are two songs that that I think probably I'll I'll just explain. So one song that I think always like blows me away and like just leaves me breathless every single time I watch this performance is Yabba's performance of My Mind on the So Far Sounds show. It is it is breathtaking. Every like yeah. every person that I've showed that video to literally like is like I I feel everything that she said. They'd be like, none of this even happened to me. Like, nobody cheated on me. I don't, nobody said anybody's name in their sleep. Like, nothing happened to me. But, like, I feel like I went through this watching her sing. And I think, I I was always so sad. I was like, it was such an incredible performance. And there's, like, no other recording of that sound, what's that song whatsoever. And I lament with my friends about this. And, And ultimately, I was like, honestly, she was just like, I got the perfect take in that one like it was it's never going to be that raw and just it's it, it will never be that raw of her performance so she was like i'm not recording it ever again but i think that that is one of my favorite performances to watch um and another song that i i really love um i i just think it's a it's a really beautiful song so i i could listen to it for hours on end um, on repeat, and that is um, uh, Misty by Bro Misty by uh, who? Well, Which one? Several different versions, but the I listen to Ella's version most consistently. Um, so the the jazz standard uh, and Ella Fitzgerald has a very well known um, like album recording of it, and I just. I I really love that yeah. that song. I think I want to say it was written by Thelonious Monk. Could be wrong on that. I yeah, fact I got a fact check. check. I, can't, I can't get that wrong, but, but I yeah. can be wrong about that. Ah, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It was written by Errol Garner. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Misty is a fantastic song. Um, I uh, I was written, my aunt <laughs> had the biggest crush on Johnny Mathis. So I was raised on that version, which I think is good. And there's a uh, live version from Sweden mm. uh, by Sarah Vaughn. Um, she sang it. And the funny thing about that, you know, back in the day, artists were just, and I'm going to say this, artists were just better. You know, like I've seen uh, Luce, not Lucio Obama, <laughs> Julie Garden, high as hell, still hold herself as a lady mm-hmm. and still give a wonderful performance. I would if if I if I tried to do that, I would not be able to even say vowels. You know, Miss Misty, uh Sarah Vaughn performed Misty with a fever like over one hundred degrees. She was sweating, she was sick. You would not know it <laughs> unless you know, if she wouldn't have announced it. You know, so so I definitely uh Oh yeah, no, no, I've heard it. Check I, out I Sarah Vaughn's version well. of Misty. I could yeah, I, I I like the way it starts off because you know most people started off by saying, "Look at me," but but yo, know, hers was very like, 
It is very much in her style. Like, very, like her style. one great thing about Sarah Vaughn is anytime it's any of of her music is playing, you instantly register that it's her voice. Same thing with like Billie Holiday. Same thing with with Ella. Just they had yeah. so much character in their voice. It was, it was very unique to them. Yeah. And um, wow. So, you know, Mew Mew, like there's music and then there's like real Mew Mew. Who taught you about this? Because I know my aunt helped me out with real music. Um, I guess I don't really 